didn't know one that they pay for your visit and then two you can go anywhere in the country for free if i would have known about the rules and regulations about visits i would have been like yeah like, fly me out to New York. <laughs> I, I I just thought that like okay, whatever team you pick, that's the visit you go on. Oh. And whenever you go on the visit, I thought I had to pay for everything I was doing. So I turned down everything because I don't. I was like, my parents only gave me twenty dollars. Like I can't, I can't go out to dinner with you guys every day. Oh my goodness. I know. So I was just like, looking back on it, I was just like, nobody tells you any of these rules. Another season in the books, the podcast featuring European professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the United States. We'll talk about the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons. We'll hear from each athlete as they talk about their journey through academics and athletics. I'll also be talking to coaches and getting their opinion on the subject as well. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 11-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball leagues, Liga Femenina 2 and La Liga Endesa. Let's get to it! Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here on Another Season in the Books. This week's professional athlete has competed on many different stages in many different countries, but the main stage is yet to come. Nigeria will be competing in the 2021 Olympic Games, and Atonye Ingafa will be there to soak it all in and compete. T graduated from UCLA, majored in psychology, got her master's, and quickly transitioned into playing professionally overseas. T has grown and matured since her college days, but as you heard in the opening clip, the recruiting process was something she was not familiar with as a teenager. Her advice? Ask questions. Going to UCLA turned out to be a great choice, however, and now she's enjoying her seventh season as a professional basketball player overseas. Good morning, T. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Doing well. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, First question, just getting right into it. What is your, tell us about your first sports memory. Okay, so my first sports memory would be of me and my family in our living room. And I can just remember my father was an avid Laker fan, and so we would watch the games. And I I just remember my parents being so passionate about the Lakers. And I'm just like, I didn't really understand what it meant to be uh, a fan of the game or just so into it and my dad would be screaming and yelling and my mom would be cooking going in and out of the kitchen to the <laughs> living room and I'm just sitting there and I don't know what's more interesting to watch the game or my parents reaction to the game uh-huh. so that was one of my first memories which uh, just kind of drew me into basketball and wanting to just know the passion behind it right and you're from California yes. so and you live in you're from LA yes so, Born and raised in Los Angeles. Right. My grandma's from uh, California. She passed away, but she was a huge Lakers fan. And whenever they beat the Timberwolves, she'd always call us and let us know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming that was the era, the era of who was on the Lakers when you were um, growing up. At the time, what I remember to be was like the Shaq and Kobe, Lamar Odom um, era. And I just remember I was a big Lamar Odom fan because I feel like I mimicked his game okay. being a swing player. And so that's who I kind of resonated with. But, um, yeah, my whole focus was just Lakers. And, unfortunately, um, the Clippers were just 
something that it was like a past memory that nobody really heard about. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, just their the whole era and the championships they won and how the city just like went, followed behind them and right. even through the ups and downs. Like I just remember, you know, that Shaq and Kobe era, despite their differences, was really big for not only my family but for the city. Uh huh. And what about the WNBA? When did that kind of start calling your attention, or did you guys ever watch the WNBA at home? So no, we. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate, but a lot of households um, back then, I don't think, followed the WBA as strongly. But um, my first introduction was playing AAU basketball, and then some of the WNBA players at the time, like Lisa Leslie, had their own camps in the uh. local community. So that is when I actually started like seeing seeing the players like oh okay there is another league for women x y and z but before then i really just had no clue i knew that somewhere out there there might have been a professional league but um it wasn't until i started playing high school aau that i was kind of open or seen um, Mm -hmm. some of the WNBA games um so would you say you grew up in a sports oriented family oh yes definitely my parents signed me up for many sports my dad wanted me to try everything from golf softball volleyball um and what else did I do I don't track and field oh yes yeah, <laughs> I didn't get signed up for track and field as a young kid but eventually in high school I tried it but yeah they they made sure I was just had options and they my dad tried soccer given that he's from Nigeria but I was just like there's no there's no way I'm running <laughs> up and down the field and it's like you don't even get any action but like once every 15, 20 minutes, I said no. So soccer was always out of the question. Uh-huh. Um, and in your family, there are five children, correct? Yes. Okay, so did your siblings play sports as well? Yes, all of my siblings played sports. Um, all of them went to college um, in California, except my youngest. He's the baby. He just finished, unfortunately, in this COVID area. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so all of them um, went to schools on scholarships. Um, my sister... She, they, a team, Northridge offered her, but then she was like, she was really into academics at the time. And women's basketball, like I said, didn't have the most uh, support. And so she ended up being a lawyer instead. But the youngest two went on to play Division One basketball. And wow. uh, yeah, so our whole family is a basketball family. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, so then when would you say you started taking basketball more seriously? Um, or was, when did you start playing? Yeah, so I, my first memory was like the YMCA when I was about five or six. And I always remember this, but I had a growth spurt early. And then I kind of leveled out with other athletes later on in my career. But I was a really tall kid. And so they used to be like, oh, just pass it to the big girl. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I like to be in the game. And, you know, I had one of those coaching parents. So it was always kind of serious, mm-hmm. <laughs> even at a young age. Um, and my, since I had an older sister that played basketball, I was always like trying to play catch up and take it and be at her level, not knowing that I was playing up one. So it kind of helped me having an older sure. sibling in basketball. But, but yeah, um, my mom was a, my coach up until high, high school. So oh, wow. it was pretty serious, you know. Did um, your mom play when she was younger? Yes, yeah, she did play. Um, she actually went to UCLA, not on a basketball scholarship, but just for academics. Um, but then she had kids when she was younger. Back then, I think they had kids yeah. at a younger age. And so um, professional basketball was just not in her future. Right. But she did play as a teenager. Yeah. That's neat. My mom never played, so that's that's oh, wow. really cool. What about dad? 
Um, my dad played, but very like junior college, community okay. college, I think, okay. uh, church league. Oh wow! <laughs> so he was never, uh, you know, super serious about it. But my grandfather actually, I found out later that he played on like the JV team at the University of Minnesota. Wow! But that was back in like the, gosh, maybe the forties. Maybe. People always ask me when I was in college, are you on JV? I'm like, there is no JV in college. Where right. is this notion coming from? But back in the day, there were, like, because women's sports hadn't really come around yet, and there was a varsity in JV on the men's side, and he oh, played wow. JV, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, so when did the recruiting process start for you? Like, when did you receive your first letter? Do you remember? Oh, I mean, I think it would have to have been my sophomore year. Um, I had a few accolades in high school. And then I signed on to a really popular uh, club team that mm-hmm. was known across the country. So after my you can you can you know tell me the name. You don't have to be so <laughs> so humble. Oh, I, I signed on to Swish Black. Okay. Um, and they're like rivalries with one of Erica's travel team. It's ah. there's like four major AU teams in California, and at the time I was on the top one. And he was actually a college coach, but he was also an AU. That was coach. legal. Now I'm trying to think about it. I don't understand why it was not. I, I don't understand why it was legal, but somewhere around, he, he, I don't know, maybe it was okay. an entity business thing. But yeah, he was a college coach, um, so he had really good connections, as you could tell. And then he was on the board for several things. And long story short, as soon as I started playing AU um, and traveling across the country, that's when my exposure kind of heightened. And then my high school team, we won several um I was reading about you this morning. Did you guys win four straight state titles? No, no, no. Oh, I maybe was that was CIF. high school. It was CIF, but we went to states. Okay. But four straight times. But, man, we never won the state. Well, that would have been good. I think we usually lost to rather Long Beach Poly. Um, and I think that's the school that Erica went to. Or um, California is a big state. So to win the state would be... It's really big. I know. Right. But we won four... Um, three or four CIF titles while I was there. And then plus my travel team, we won a lot of international, like the Oregon Trails. End of the Oregon Trail. I used yeah. to play in that tournament as well. Yeah, I love that tournament. But I was, I'm what, three or four years older than you, so mm-hmm. we never played against each other. But as a Minnesota team, we would fly out there because at that time it was like one of the big tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, beautiful place, Multnomah Falls. Like I, yeah, we did I a little tourism. Yeah. I love it. I love Oregon. I really do. Even though it rains a lot, but the, the greenery out there is just, mm-hmm. coming from the city, it's like, I just don't see it. A little. So, oasis um and then nike nationals which is one of the biggest um platforms that mm-hmm. you can play in is that chicago uh, is it george i think it's georgia and it's right on the border okay yeah so um we were there and then a few other tournaments in tennessee i can't remember that one's called but yeah so the exposure went up mm-hmm. um, my sophomore year and that's when i started receiving a lot of letters and I was just really happy and just to receive anything like you know my sister went through that process so I kind of knew a little bit about it but I was receiving big time letters from teams and I was just like oh my gosh I have the like nobody ever told me in high school or even junior high that you can go to college for free off of athletics I thought that was just like the guys just did that but women can do it too and I think there's such a lack of knowledge for the youth in women's basketball or what are our possibilities and what's our future mm-hmm. in sports? Um, because nobody really pushes us to say you could do X, Y, and Z. Right. So 
It's changing. It's definitely changing. But I remember I had no idea that I could go to college to play basketball. You know, and I was in like ninth grade at the time and I wasn't even thinking about college. Yeah. And now people are committing when they're like in ninth grade. I was so upset because I went on my official visit. Nobody told me the rules. And so in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm 14, 15. Cause I graduated high school at 17 years old ah. and so I'm like oh okay I told all like my teammates at the time like no don't worry go ahead and do this I didn't know one that they pay for your visit and then two you can go anywhere in the country for free if I would have known about the rules and regulations about visits I would have been like yeah like fly me out to New York <laughs> I, I I just thought that like okay whatever team you pick that's the visit you go on oh. and whenever you go on the visit I thought I had to pay for everything I was doing, so I turned down everything, cause I don't. I was like, my parents only gave me twenty dollars. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't go out to dinner with you guys every day. Oh my goodness! No, so I was just like, looking back on it, I was just like, nobody tells you any of these rules, and you know, your coaches, as much as they're there to guide you, they have their own entity and aspects in life outside of basketball, so they can only do so much. Um, and your parents, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Most parents didn't take the same route, so they don't know either. Wow, I was going to ask you if you took all five official visits and if you took any unofficial visits. I wish. I, I, the only one was USC. And I really wish I went back and really just like, yeah, I want to take a visit here. Because then I would have probably seen a lot more of the school. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my parents had a big influence in where I went. You know, I'm a big family person. And they were just like, you know, why don't you pick something in California? So to be honest, it was the mm-hmm. top teams in California, which is Stanford. UCLA, USC um, at the time. And I'm trying to think of any other school. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I'd say UCLA isn't a bad choice. Yeah. With the reputation it has. I mean, it's like world-renowned school, mm-hmm. uh, basketball school, beautiful colors. It's in yeah. Los Angeles. I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what sold me on UCLA, not that the basketball was huge because we haven't won an NCAA title yet. And, um, even though we get a lot of good players, it's like for some reason we always still fall short, but it's the academics behind it. And, and like you said, the, we have one of the highest international rates when it comes from students outside the countries wanting to come to that specific school. So I was just like, it has the best of both worlds. And when I graduate, that title will always hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I kind of wanted. How far away is UCLA from your house, your parents' house? It's a 25-minute drive. Okay. So you're close, which no, is yeah, nice. I'm really close. I went home all the time, which I think hindered me from, like, really trying to be a people person and explore, get out of my comfort zone. I went home about two to three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, I was, I just felt like I was, my mind was still a homebody, sleeping in my bed and eating dinner with my family on the weekends that was just something I had to do and Mm -hmm. I never broke it for some reason until like my senior year then I started going home once a week but I still was home so much and now look at you I know you're away from home for months (laughs) on the other side of the world I wish I did things differently but you know it's fine so looking back, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but just on your college recruiting process, like any advice you would give to the younger generation that's going through the process right now as far as maybe what questions to ask, what to think about, like what's really important? Because unfortunately, I have a lot of friends who did not have the greatest college experience. Oh, yes. Um, there are a lot of things that you maybe aren't going to know when you say yes, yeah. but <laughs> what, what do you think you could, any advice you could give to the younger generation? Um, well, I think as of now, there's a few things. One, I would talk to the players. 
Um, the coaches, don't get me wrong, they're very nice, but they're here to get you there by all means. So they're going to make your experience one of the best. Mm -hmm. um, but the players, several players, will know the highs and the lows of a whole season and what you have to go through. So that's one. And really watching the practice, um, seeing if this is something you want or something you're capable of, and then also setting yourself up for life outside of basketball. Um, there's a lot of great players I know out there that within an instant, unfortunately, I've had two torn ACL um, surgeries. So it's like a lot of players go through injury and then they're just like stuck. You know, is your coaches going to support you through an injury, which is big? Um, mm -hmm. Do you have a school that is going to add value to your life outside of basketball, which is very big? Um, so outside of the basketball, really ask about academics. A lot of players go through schools that are like here or really high up and then they fall short academically because they don't have support. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a strong support system at your school and your teammates, you know, what type of people they are, um, what type of program is it, it's really important because four years of your life is, is a big chunk. So mm -hmm. you're going to want to do your research. And when you um, got in or when you were accepted to UCLA, did you know what you wanted to major in? I always knew I wanted to be a psychologist, so the social science era was always something for me. Um, being a lawyer or a teacher um, or a doctor, you know, I know it was always psychology. So for me, kind of, uh, I went into UCLA with um, the means to do psychology, and then I switched to social psychology, okay. um, which is still fine. And I think that was another one of my regrets. Um, not knowing how the program works. Sometimes these programs you have to test into. Um, you have to have a certain GPA to get in. And I had no idea that that was the case. I just thought you picked a major, you got your classes. Like, no. <laughs> so, so knowing your journey or what it, what it's going to take to receive what you want is big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, looking back, I should have tried to get into the journalism school. And I stayed in communications. And I didn't really have any idea. No one ever really said, hey, Leslie, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. um, and what you don't know is what you don't know. Yes. You know? That's very big. Um, do you think that studying psychology or social psychology has helped you along the way in life, like on the court or off the court, just certain classes you've taken to help you kind of reflect and maybe give you a little boost? Uh, I think at the time, no, because I came into college at 17 and what your morals are at that age are very strong and you're very headstrong with them, or at least I was. Um, now, outside of college, yes, I do reflect on things that I've learned. My coach, my head coach, Corey Close, was big on the social aspect, I mean, the psych psychology aspect of basketball. So now looking back on it, yes, I do have things that I've changed or I, I lean differently or just understanding the process a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, I could hands down tell you no. <laughs> um, and you mentioned that you have had knee surgery. So I'm assuming you redshirted a year or two in college. Then were you able to go on and get a master's? Yes. So that's how I was able to get a master's. Um, I had redshirted two years. Wow. Um, so I stayed in a, uh, at UCLA for actually six years. Um, which was a big decision because, like, all my other teammates that came in with me were playing professionally, and I'm just like, I'm like a super senior. And, you know, people be like, two years, I'm like, I'm not a super senior. Don't call me super senior. <laughs> 
but I always think of like like now I I always tell people it was a blessing in disguise because everybody that left college my year you know they didn't have their masters so they had to go and pay for their masters and I'm just like okay well something good came out of it so I really can't you know be too harsh on the fact that I had yes. the surgeries because education is expensive yes ah uh, and I think in about six years so you went through six pre-seasons yeah <laughs> yeah six summers gone. wow that's incredible good for you um and ever since graduating college have you been able to pursue your your future career in any aspect um yes very briefly um as you know, the seasons last pretty much the whole year. Then we get summers. Outside my national team, I get like maybe two to three months of like pure no basketball, maybe two. Um, so for one of the summers, or usually, or two summers, I worked um, as a I worked within a psychiatric company. But they were I liked it because they were half and half online based. So that was my first introduction to like counseling online. And you could do your sessions through uh, Skype or whatever platform they used at the time. And I was just there. Um, I forgot my official title. But I was only there for a summer. But still, I got to see the ins and outs of how the medical field worked. All the billing behind it, the codes behind it, the prescription writing, the database. I was just like, I was very amazed at how much went into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to work behind um, MFTs, which are marriage and uh, family therapists um, and some of them were psychiatrists some of them were psychologists and just the different aspects and what levels they carried the education behind what they needed and I'm just like okay I'm gonna have to do another 10 years like this is not it's not fair yeah I don't think U.S. education system is very organized in that aspect um, you graduate college you realize okay this is not enough you get your master's you realize oh now I have a salary cap with that and you have to go on and get another and then certify and then test into it and so just being there that summer I realized how exciting it would be to be there but also how far I still have to come even with graduating UCLA with the master's right yeah and the fact that you've been playing for the last has it been six years six, yeah this um I'm sure you think about this as do I because I haven't really been in the field yet. I haven't been working yet. And so when we do start, we haven't had that much experience um, behind us. So you will, to be a psychologist, do you have to have your PhD or is it? You have to have a PsyD, which is a doctorate in psychology. Okay. Um, It's, I think it's pretty much similar, but one is studying more theory, one is studying practice. Okay. Um, You could have your PsyD or PhD, but either one. But either way, it takes four years. So I actually attempted to go into a PsyD program, and the counselors were telling me, look, you need a couple more classes. Usually, people get their master's in psychology and then move on up to the doctorate. And I was like, I can't do another master's. (laughs) I need to just move up to the doctorates. But um, so I've attempted, and I was like, okay, I'm not ready. And I did plan on going back in, but um, I've searched, and with California, they say that you have to have certain programs that are certified. These certified programs do not, they don't offer online. I think because it's like medical field borderline, and so to get a master's, I can do it online. But to get a doctorate's, I have to be in class. And so that's what kind of prohibited me from moving forward in that field. But I always stay connected, and I'm always up on what I need to do, so 
when I'm done with basketball, I can still do it. Um, also, my sister works for the um, LA County, and so she's very well connected. She's like, if you ever need a job, like with the county, you know, city or government jobs, they pay good, good benefits. So I've always weighed my options of what I wanted to do, um, and it's just whatever route God pushes me to or whatever comes, I think that's just what I'll mm -hmm. end up doing. But like you said, um, for a professional athlete, plus playing on the Nigerian national team, you are busy almost all year long. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to be present at a class or, yeah. you know, even have the time to, to put in the work to study, to do all the homework, to do the projects, mm -hmm. um, which that's the life of a, of a professional athlete. And it's not going to last forever. So you want to enjoy it while you can. Yes. But um, you sound like you're up on everything. So um I want to talk a little bit about your professional career as well. Um, this okay. Another season in the books, which we've talked about another season studying, getting your degree, and then also just another season come and gone. Um, yeah. Six years as a professional athlete. Your first, tell me, um, give me a rundown where you've played since graduating college. So I was, um, my first gig was actually like a tournament in Thailand. And I was just like, I was so nervous because like, I've never been outside the country for this long. Um, this wasn't, it was a tournament, so it wasn't even the beginning of the season. I signed in Israel, but I had that summer to figure out what I wanted to do after graduating. I did my first tournament in Thailand and I was just like, you know, I'm by myself. I'm the only American, no other, they, it's not like Spain where it's Spanish, I can kind of hear, kind of tell. This is like isolation. But I ended up doing my first, like, I felt like I was backpacking. Like, I would just go out in the city and explore myself, you know, in Thailand. And it was so beautiful. I had a great experience. I was only there for a month. Um, what team was that with or what club or? Oh, gosh. It was a professional league? Yeah, I think it was. It was a, like, you know, like, they have those tournaments in, I want to say uh, Dubai, but it was just like a tournament that they had and my teammate told me about it because she had did it the year before oh. and I can't even pronounce the name of the team at this six years ago <laughs> um yeah I can't remember that's but interesting was, though I had no idea those tournaments even happened yeah I have a few teammates that are in like these little tournaments in the middle east they I don't they say that they pay well so they, they go for like a month or two and then that's it hmm. so that was during the summer but my first official season was in Israel and I stayed there for four years and I absolutely loved it fell in love with the country the people were so nice um, the food was the food was good and I just can't get over that atmosphere of like it was almost the best what I tell people is like it's like college without the school um, all the teams are 15 minutes apart 20 minutes apart and we hung out every week it was just like an event and so can you imagine just full of Americans like in a foreign country and we're, we're feeling like there's just no restraints <laughs> so, huh. when you see say 15 minutes apart you mean like each club was 15 minutes apart via yeah. car wow Driving. yeah that um, many Israel's teams in such small, a small area it's a small country it's a small country and um they're very small like you could drive around the country within hours um wow. yeah so it was very small there's a few teams that are probably hour maybe hour and a half uh -huh. but for the most part, in our league, everybody was 15 to 20 minutes. And then the furthest person was like a 45-minute drive. But even even that is still like, so you can imagine when holidays or birthdays or Christmas, like, I don't know, there was nobody 
they're from California, but because mm-hmm. they're allowed three Americans per team, and then the teams are so close, it's like we're going to the same restaurants, we're going to the same outings, bars, and it just became mm-hmm. very fun and almost too much fun. Because <laughs> people say, like, you really get. If you're not very disciplined, you can get very just like lost because it's so much fun. You forget that, you know, your whole structured system that you came from in college. So either way, I had really fun, uh, a lot of fun in Israel. But I left Israel because I felt like there wasn't a lot of growth. Um, Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great players there. But I felt like um, the league wasn't as challenging um, personally or individually. So I was like, I need to go to a league where it's like, okay, it's a little bit tougher. And that's why I came to Spain, because I felt like the league here is is tougher. Um, you know, it's harder in the first division to average what people are averaging in Israel. And so that's why I came here. And I really, I really love Spain. I love, like, this was my first time I was on these hour bus drives. And I'm like, why don't we fly everywhere? Because in California, you know... <laughs> You know, you just fly. You fly to San Francisco, which is a, you fly to Santa Barbara. You fly to San Diego. It doesn't matter. We fly, and so the like four and a half hour bus drives, and I was just like, oh my gosh. But then I kind of just got used to it in the scenery, and I was like, oh, it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then all of my other teammates around Europe was like, no, we bus it everywhere. And I'm like, what? I don't understand. Israel, there is no buses. You just drive because it's like a 30 minute drive. Right. So, so that was my experience there in Israel and I loved my first four years. Yeah, I was going to say not many people have the opportunity to visit Israel and you had this four-year living experience mm-hmm. there. Um, what do you think about their culture, their culture, their food, um, how they say hello? Um, yeah. I don't know, any cultural like uh, chokes or culture shocks that you had while you were there? I will say I do love their culture. It's very disciplined and that's what I kind of like. Mm. Um, it's, you know, in the States, everybody's free to choose. And sometimes the culture or religion is very up and down, depending on who you talk to. And there in Israel, it's like, they they believe in what they believe in. And not that everybody's on the same, but it's like very structured in the sense that their holidays, their beliefs, um, how to go about doing things. Um, just, it just seemed like they were all on the same page with it. And, um, I, I love some of their traditions. Like here in Spain, I think some cities do that like on Sundays. So from sundown on Friday to sunrise on Sunday, it's called Shabbat. And the basically the country just shuts down. Hmm. So do not think you're going to buy many things, um, eat out or it, anything. Gas, it shuts down. And um, I remember my first week there, I was just like, how am I supposed to eat? I came on a Friday. My teammate had to cook for me because I was like, I don't have an ATM. There's no... <laughs> And so, like, little traditions like that um, was a culture shock. I was like, weekends are supposed to be, like, you're supposed to do stuff. They're like, no, we, it's weekends are family time, and you don't do any of that. So even practice, um, we practice Friday morning or Sunday night around um, their holiday. So you never had games on the weekends? No, I'm pretty sure we definitely had games. But I think because of Shabbat, it was the same. It was before Friday and after Sunday night. Okay. So I don't think, I'm trying to think though. Sure, we had to have had a game on a Saturday. Yeah. I just can't. Re- but but then again, their Shabbat, like. They took it very seriously. They took it seriously. So I'm trying to think were people at these Saturday games, if we had Saturday <laughs> games? I can't remember. But 
I'm that's okay. Sure we had games on the weekend. We've had to. Mm-hmm. What about? Did you have any stereotypes before you went to Israel, and then when you got there, did they were they true? Were they not true? Because um, um, I just, I guess I'll just say like Israel is known for. I think their religion and culture kind of mix and like I don't know. I don't think I had any pre preconditioned thoughts. Um, I've had teammates that are were there the year before, so I just said. They said that they loved it. I was like, okay, I'll go out there. But seeing Orthodox um, Jews a lot, um, I was just like, it was fascinating to me because I don't really see a lot of Orthodox people where it's just like, and they were just like in their outfits or in very covered up. And I'm just like, we don't get that a lot um, in California where I'm from because, you know, it's very free and liberal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So seeing them and their hats and they have their bank, the boys still have their curls and I guess they cut them off when they go into manhood or something like that um so they had a lot of traditions um but most of them were just like things I've learned uh but it was fun yeah well now you've been here in Spain this is your third year yes two years in Lugo up north now Mm -hmm. your third year here in Madrid would you say you've adapted pretty well to the Spanish culture um yes except for the language I don't know (laughs) I feel like I'm having not and I, don't, I think it was, I was the same in Israel. I don't think I fully adapted or been comfortable speaking another language. I, get, I pick up words here and there, but as far as having conversations, mm-hmm. it just doesn't come natural to me. But as far as like the people in the country itself, I love. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I moved from Lugo to Madrid because of the weather. To be honest, it was the weather in the city. Not so much like, oh, you know, I loved my teammates, the coaching staff. But I'm just so used to warm weather and, you know, more people, more things to do. Mm-hmm. In Lugo, I was circulating the same restaurants every week. <laughs> every week. And I was just like, it just became so mundane. And I was just like, I need life. Uh-huh. So that's part of the biggest reasons why I moved to Madrid. Well, I have to say, just to add on, um, playing in the first division, I think it is a little harder for foreigners to learn Spanish because there are so many English-speaking players on your team. Oh, yeah. And because a lot of times the coaches have to speak in English because a majority, not even just Americans, but if you have someone from Croatia or Latvia, they probably know English before they might know Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so I look at my career, and I'm thankful because I played in the second division where I was maybe the only American, and I, I was really forced to learn Spanish because I was living with three Spanish girls. Oh, wow. And so thanks to those first four years, I was really like, well, sink or swim, you know. But now in the first division, I can understand that it's just hard because you're around so many English-speaking people. What also helped you besides living with the... I minored in Spanish when I was in college. Yeah, so I did come with a base. And then, of course, my husband is Spanish. So, you know, it's I've been forced to. Okay, so you had a couple pillars and stepping stools along the way to help you. Definitely. Um, Okay, now I would like to ask you as well about your Afro-Basket experience. Um, Because you've played for Nigeria, and then, but that's, you've played Afro-Basket, but then you've also done the FIBA Women's World Cup. Those are two different things, right? Two different tournaments, but you play with your national team still. Okay. So the Afro-Basket is uh, compiled of, like, 12 uh, countries in Africa, but you still play for your country, and... That experience to me was one of my 
first big time platforms outside of college playing with your rivalry team and you know it's packed in the gym um, professionally in Israel um, women's basketball is still up and coming and still struggling to have a big fan base um, and you know finances and all that so we never had more than probably 200 people you know in mm-hmm. the gym at one time but Afro basket some of these African countries um, are just flourish with poverty and so when they have big events usually sport events or holidays you know the whole country kind of circulates and Mm kind of comes together for that because it's a big focus in their country so without really knowing the experience I was just like ready for another game and another tournament Um, but it was one of like the biggest things I've ever when I tell you um, I've been in three Afro baskets because it's every other year Mm -hmm. and the latest one in Senegal I've never seen even in the States I've never seen such a packed arena so they had a, like an NBA arena people filled outside because mind you there's no big sporting events besides basketball and soccer they filled the outside they were bun- rushing the bus and they sat in the aisles of the arena so I was just like one this is definitely a hazard but two I was just like oh my gosh I've never seen it was not, I don't know if it was a million, but thousands of people just waiting to see a match. And this is not, you know, this. granted, they take it, this is a serious match, but it's not like an Olympic match or the World Cup, even though they're playing for their country and who's the powerful, who's the most, who's the best in Africa. I was just, I was really thrown away mm-hmm. with the fan support. Obviously, it was for Senegal, but still, yeah. <laughs> the amount of people in the arena and outside the arena. I thought that the arena did not open and that is why there were so many people outside and to get in (laughs) and to see that the arena stopped letting people in I was like wow it's crazy how loud was it in that gym it was (laughs) (laughs) like I said this this last afro basket was something I've never really the first two yeah they were rowdy you know but this last one it was so loud people were throwing rice eggs water and we would turn and look at the security, like, do something. And I'm sure they were just like, no, you're playing Senegal. Why would we do anything? Oh. <laughs> Why would we do anything to help you? Um, but we were just, and then even went to the locker room, like, how did this stuff, eggs, get in front of our locker room when a locker room was supposed to be guarded? And so we just felt like, okay, well, I hope they don't do anything. Like, you know, because there's some super fans out there that love their teams and they'll go crazy. So it was just an experience that I've never, I've never had. Usually, most fans don't take the game that serious to try to mess with the players' heads, but they were definitely gunning for us. And it was a big match, and we had beat Senegal two years in a row. So of course, they, before I came on the team, Senegal was the top in Africa, and that's just how it was for a very long time since 2004. Wow! And then ever since, you know, they got a new coach, and I became on the team three years ago, four years ago, we just have, we've not only had the title since um, for every uh, African game, but then now we started going to the World Cup, and now we secured a position in the Olympics for now 2021. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was unaware of that. So you have the potential to go play, you're going with Nigeria to play in the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. So the last tournament we played in was last year. So the World Cup happened. We did pretty good. But last year, during the February break, we had a tournament that we played against 
Belgium, America, or USA. <laughs> Belgium, USA, um, Canada was there, Sweden, about eight teams. And if you place top four, or if it, yeah, if you place top four, then you got your ticket. And so we got a ticket to go because we beat, we beat it was like your bracket is three teams, and so you just have to win one. And wow. So we, as long as we won that one. T, I did not know that. You're going to be going to the Olympics. Yeah, girl, I would have went, but COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been done in, like, like. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Unbelievable. Just, fingers crossed. But they said this year that the Olympics is going to happen no matter what. Um, For 2021. Co- yeah, COVID or not, so. Oh, my goodness. Well, and on your Nigerian team, you have Elanu from Girona, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Adora, and then we have Sarah. She plays for Tenerife. Okay. And Mapio, and then. Who and else? then was there another player? I don't think she still plays. I think now she's a coach. Oh, you're talking about Ndidi. Yeah. No, yeah. She's like our team manager. Yeah. Okay. Real yeah. I went team. to a wedding with her last summer. Oh. Um, and so I got to kind of meet her through there. And then um, also, I think when you were at AfroBasket, that was 2018, correct? Yes. My other friend, Azania Stewart, was actually doing the commentary there at the turn yeah Senegal? yeah oh wow i don't know if you know who that is she used to play for london for I'm, great I britain we have to see her face tall post player um light skin curly hair anyway she yeah she went to the olympics with great britain back in i don't know 2000 something okay but anyway i was looking at all this this morning and i was like oh my gosh we have a lot of people kind of in common yeah um but that's unbelievable. And Z, she took some video while she was commentating, and I saw the people in the gym. I saw the dancing going on, the cheers, everything, and it was it was ridiculous. It was a lot. Yeah, very cool. It was, it was like I said, it's something that I'd never really experienced. So I just love the whole. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad that we won, but it was more <laughs> so just the experience was just really, really good. Yes. Um, okay, we're getting to the end here, so I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions. Okay. What is your jersey number and why? Um, number 11. It really had to do with my older sister. She played before me. She was number 22. And being a younger sibling, I wanted something to correlate with that. And at the time, being that I was only 17, I was just like, okay, half. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. where that came from. And then I think, I'm trying to think of another number, but yeah, in you know, in college, you're a freshman, you only get a certain amount of picks. And I was like, okay, think of something that makes sense so that, you know, when this question happens, then you have a good story behind it. <laughs> that seems very logical. Half of the number of my sister. Perfect. Um, when you have gone to play in Israel, Thailand, Spain, is there some food product or something that you pack with you that you know that you're not going to be able to find in this foreign country? Oh, that's a good one. I think two things... Laris, which is a seasoning. <laughs> seasoning salt. Hot Cheetos. I really love, like, I love hot Cheetos. And for some reason, they're just not really made in other countries. Mm-hmm. So those are, like, two things okay. I must have. Yeah. Your go-tos. Um, and what is your bread and butter move on the court, would you say? <laughs> I was going to say missing layups, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's a really good question I would honestly say just the turnaround like from the post like turnaround jumper okay. within the post paint area yeah you've made several of those this year but I would also say your um, your fakes your pump fakes and then oh yeah you yes. all you no matter what you managed to it's like the other team I'm sure they knows that you're gonna do it and you still are able to that's true to do it I, I, <laughs> sneaky tea sneaky tea um 
You mentioned Lamar Odom. Do you have any other favorite players, or is that kind of the one you would say you've... Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Kobe fan. Um, but I just felt like Lamar was in my position, and I was like, okay, I could do some of the similarities he's doing on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, as with Kobe was shooting, it's just like, well, don't get me wrong, absolutely <laughs> amazing, but hey, <laughs> can I do everything he's doing? Maybe not. Right. <laughs> so, and- yeah, Kobe. Other than Lamar, I think Kobe, um, and I just watch a lot of guard work just to try to see different combinations, moves. I might not do them, but just studying the game to me is very important. Uh-huh. What about on the women's side? Oh, on the women's side, I I love Maya Moore. Okay. I can remember like watching her play, Tarasi. I can remember watching them play, um, Lisa, Leslie. Watching her play as a kid, um, Maya Moore was more so when I was in high school. Lisa mm-hmm. Leslie was more when I was growing up because mm-hmm. she was like the only big name I kind of knew of. So those three go Minnesota. Yeah, go Lynx. <laughs> so those three in general, like um, I really like their game. Mm-hmm. And lastly, um, Halloween's coming up. Thoughts? (laughs) Are you a Halloween fan? I'm a big fan. Les, we already talked about this. (laughs) Um, Is Eminem still on the table? (laughs) (laughs) To dress up as an (laughs) Eminem? Yes. uh, A red Eminem? Or what color would you pick? Oh, the grape. Oh, it was, it was, I think it was a grape. (laughs) A grape Eminem or making yourself look like a grape? (laughs) I think I'll try doing the grape because I think it'll be good. I think I could pull it off with the purple balloons and kind of just like tape them everywhere. Um, What do we? I would have to find an actual costume. What do we call, oh, it's a bunch of grapes. So you would dress up as a bunch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Has there ever been a past uh, Halloween outfit that you've been really proud of? Gosh. Or when you were little, what was your, like, go-to? You know, what sucks is I've always been in season or in a country that Halloween is, like, not the biggest. So I always do the angel overseas um, and <laughs> the witch as a kid, you know, just okay. keep it basic and boring. <laughs> I mean, it's my parents' fault. They never really thought to go all out. They just took me to Party City and said, pick one, and that's what it was. <laughs> um, and favorite candy? I love a Kit Kat. Mm, yes. Good choice. I love Kit Kats, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of the rapid fire session. T, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and good luck today. Thank you. As a young girl growing up watching Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, T was unaware of all the future opportunities the sport of basketball could provide her, especially as a female. Almost 20 years later, she has a bachelor's and master's degree from a world-renowned university in UCLA, thanks to basketball and an athletic scholarship. Currently, she's playing professionally overseas and has a ticket to the 2021 Olympic Games. Could her story get any sweeter? Oh yeah, it can. She also overcame two ACL tears along the way, but that didn't stop her. She is on her way to Japan. Moral of the story? Ask questions, follow your passion, put in the work, eat Kit Kats, and try dressing up as a bunch of grapes for Halloween. And that's a wrap for this week's 53rd episode. If you enjoyed the content from this week, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to leave us a comment, provide a suggestion, whatever you feel is needed. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, wishing you all a safe and healthy week. Hasta luego! Thank you.